Let's pray together. God, open our hearts and minds to your word for us this day. We pray that it would take root, um, that it would grow and change us, that we might bear fruit for you and for your kingdom. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Our scripture reading this morning comes from the Gospel of Matthew. This is the appointed text for today, for this first Sunday um, after Christmas, this fifth day of Christmas. So I'll be reading from Matthew chapter 2, verses 13 through 23. I invite you to listen now for God's word. When the Magi had departed, an angel from the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Get up, take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod will soon search for the child in order to kill him. Joseph got up and during the night took the child and his mother to Egypt. He stayed there until Herod died. This fulfilled what the Lord had spoken through the prophet. I have called my son out of Egypt. When Herod knew the Magi had fooled him, he grew very angry. He sent soldiers to kill all the children in Bethlehem and in all the surrounding territory who were two years old and younger, according to the time that he had learned from the Magi. This fulfilled the word spoken through Jeremiah the prophet. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping and much grieving, Rachel weeping for her children, and she did not want to be comforted because... They were no more. After King Herod died, an angel from the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt. Get up, the angel said, and take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel. Those who were trying to kill the child are dead. Joseph got up, took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus ruled over Judea in place of his father Herod, Joseph was afraid to go there. Having been warned in a dream, he went to, an, to the area of Galilee. He said he settled in a city called Nazareth, so that what was spoken through the prophets might be fulfilled, he will be called a Nazarene. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. stars in the sky but the spirit of God led down into Egypt from heaven to high no place for his parents no country or tribe and they
Stay near us, Lord Jesus, when danger is nigh. And keep us from Herod's and all of their lies. I love you, Lord Jesus, the refugee king. And we sing and we sing. And we sing, and we sing, and we Out of the manger and straight into danger. Gone are the sights and sounds of, of silent night, the adoration of shepherds, the, the smitten gaze of parents. Gone are the magi with their gifts fit for a king. The shadow of the cross already falls on the story and of this boy who is Savior. The good, beautiful, world-changing news of Jesus was born right in the middle Right in the middle, in the thick of trouble and tension and fear and violence. And God in the flesh is not immune to it, nor will ever be immune to it. Because if God is truly to be with us, if God truly is with us, if God truly is to save us in this broken world, then Jesus must experience and endure everything. Everything. The hopes and the fears of all the years must meet in him. Jesus went away from the manger. Jesus went away from the manger as a refugee, already facing the forces of death, and that means that he's not away from us. And it's really kind of sobering to think about what, what Jesus was facing from day one. Clearly, for those in power, Jesus' birth was not good news. It was not good news at all. In fact, a threat. Jesus was born with a price on his head. And, and so this is a really hard passage to hear right in the middle of a Christmas season. Right in the middle of our Christmas celebrations. It comes too soon. It's not very holly jolly. Trust me, it's a hard one to preach, too. I mean, even just as a parent, I find it hard to bear I can't imagine learning that my child's life is in danger simply by his or her existence. Think about me being willing to do almost anything to, to keep my family safe. I find it hard to read about a narcissistic, corrupt, fear-driven, fear-spreading political figure who isn't above infanticide. 
Isn't Christmas supposed to help us escape from this kind of stuff? The difficulties, the pain, the hard stuff of life. Isn't Christmas supposed to be a, a distraction from politics or having to think about real issues facing real people? Or maybe not. Maybe Jesus, maybe God in the flesh, having to run as a refugee to another country with his parents before he learned how to walk and to talk, means that God's coming, perhaps Christmas itself, isn't just a happy pill, but actually compels us to press more deeply and hopefully against all that is wrong because we know God came in the flesh to do something about it. Bishop and theologian N.T. Wright talks about preaching a Christmas sermon and one uh, listener, kind of skeptical towards Christianity, comes up to him after the service and says, I've got it. Pastor, I've got it. I've finally worked out why people like Christmas so much. A baby threatens no one. So the whole thing is just a big happy event, which means nothing at all. And we know that's not true. (laughs) Just read this story. And in fact, reading this text this week got me thinking about the carol, O Little Town of Bethlehem, and specifically the line in that song that says, the hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. Now, I know know it's talking about Bethlehem, but ultimately it's talking about Jesus because he's the one who's born in Bethlehem. Just think about how much weight that statement carries. The hopes and fears of all the years are met in Jesus. All the things that people are afraid of, all of the things that peddle and deal in fear, all that people yearn for, all that people hope for, all that keeps people going when the odds are stacked against them. And this passage, this scripture passage, kind of embodies that verse. You have Mary and Joseph holding on to God and holding on to hope. And you have Herod and all he represents holding on to fear. And there's Jesus, right? Right in the middle of it, right in the thick of it. Right in the middle of it all. And they're already, hope and fear, already meeting in him. Jesus is a baby who poses such a threat to the most powerful man around that he kills and is willing to kill other babies to try to get rid of him. Herod is afraid. And this is nothing new for him. This is the same Herod who had members of his own family killed, including his own wife, when he suspected them of scheming against him. This is the same Herod who gave orders when he was dying that the leading citizens of Jericho should be slaughtered to ensure that people would be weeping at his funeral. As his power increased, so did his paranoia. And now he gets word, this Herod gets word that a king has been born. But wait a second, I'm the king. Fear. Fear. Herod feels threatened by a baby named Jesus. Fear is already meeting Jesus. God's kingdom in Jesus Christ is already bumping up against the kingdoms and the power of the world. 
Jesus is scarcely born and is already facing death. A death he would one day conquer, but for now, but this day, he's depending on his parents in a foreign country to save him so that one day he might save them. And Mary Joseph might be afraid too. Surely they are. But they're not afraid of the boy who would one day rule the nations. They're afraid for him. They're afraid for their son because of Herod. Unlike Herod, however, instead of being driven by fear, even though they might be afraid, they are driven by hope. They're holding on to it, literally. They hope in God's presence and God's power when the powers of this world try so hard to convince them of God's absence and powerlessness. Yet even as they flee from the grip of Herod, somehow, some way, they know better. Mary and Joseph know better. They know who holds them even as they hold tightly to their son. And each time God asks them to move, they just do it. They just do it, trusting that God will be with them in Egypt, in Galilee, and wherever. Remember, Egypt Egypt had been a house of bondage to Israel and particularly cruel to the infants of Israel. I mean, Moses, remember, was only spared when he was put in a basket and then found by Pharaoh's daughter. This is the place God delivered the Israelites from, rescued them from, and now it's to be the place of refuge for the Holy Family. You just have to love God's sense of irony. God will be with them even there. Hope. Hope. I mean, what else do you have, right? When you're running for your lives as a refugee carrying the one that's not just your child, but God's child. That might sound kind of foreign to us sitting here in this room, but the reality of parents running for their lives with their kids because they're scared and afraid to go home is very, very real, even today. It's reality for many people, whether at the Syrian border or the U.S.-Mexico border. It's a life that's hard for us to grasp. Getting up in the middle of the night going to a strange place, not knowing what lies ahead, but hoping and praying, surely it can't be worse than what we're trying to leave behind. Not knowing whether you'll be welcomed or turned away, loved or feared. Talk to a refugee. Talk to a refugee and they'll tell you what it is to try and hold on to hope in the midst of fear. Jesus isn't just a child and a king. He's a refugee and a king. He knows hope and fear. It's the air that he breathes, even as a young child. Friends, this matters. This matters a lot. The fact that the Prince of Peace was a homeless refugee before he learned to walk and talk, because if Jesus is the place where all the hopes and fears of all the years meet, if Jesus is to be God with us, then he must be with us where, there is, where the pain and the fear is. The places where the rug gets pulled out from underneath us. No point in arriving in comfort when the world is in misery. No point in arriving and having an easy life when the world suffers from violence and injustice. No, Jesus, the refugee king, is away from the manger pretty quickly. Innocence gone. I have a hunch that All of us know that tension of fear and hope. 
feel it running through the center of our lives. And I was thinking this week with extra time with kids, I was thinking how perhaps at one point, maybe we've stood over the bed of a sleeping child or a grandkid or a nephew or a niece or a cousin or a special friend and thought both uh, about the hope and promise in store for them, but also the fears of the future. (laughs) All the potential bad that's out there. We've wished we could just take away all the pain that that child might know. All the danger, all the evil. We've dreaded that day when some evil would enter into our world that we could not keep away. After all, we've seen or we've experienced or, or we've become all too aware of the powers in, in this world that, that do not cherish life but seek to destroy it. We see corrupt power, sin, evil, injustice surface all of the time. And, and Christmas, it doesn't make us immune. It doesn't make us immune to them. But I wonder if it might actually give us hope instead of fear in the midst of them. Christmas doesn't take away the potential for a broken heart or rug yanked out from underneath us type of situation. No, it actually purposefully takes them on because of Jesus. Because when hopes and fears are met in him, hope wins out. Hope wins out. The question is, for us, will we choose it? Will we choose it? Will we choose hope like Mary and Joseph or fear like Herod? Will we choose the promise of the other or the paranoia of the other? Will we be willing to seek refuge even in unexpected places, trusting that God could be there? Will we be willing to offer it? When the Herods of the the world, when sin and death try to convince us of God's absence, of God's seeming powerlessness, may we know better. May we know better because of who it is who is with us. The one who sought refuge that we might ultimately find it in him. Friends, Christmas is not over. But I'm already kind of dreading packing the decorations up, putting the boxes away. Maybe you are too. And at first glance, maybe this story makes us think that that Christmas is over too. It's not very Christmassy. It's pretty sobering after all. However, maybe it gets right to the heart of the God who is with us. The God who in Jesus was as vulnerable as any human being fleeing for their life as a refugee. The one in whom the hopes and fears of all the years are met. Right from the start. The one who was never and is never immune to despair and the pain of the world. The one who when he grows up one day did not ultimately flee from evil and from death. But took it all upon himself on the cross so that we so that they might not have the final word. A child and yet a king. A refugee 
and yet a king. Crucified and yet a king. Away from the manger, but near to us. Hallelujah. And we sing and we sing and we sing. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.